Welcome to the Rise Collective Podcast with me as your host, Carrie Jordan Barrett. This is a podcast devoted to incorporating ancient ways into our contemporary lives and enlivening the physical world with spirit. I hope that this episode will enable you to open a portal to remembering your unique ancient wisdom. It is my honor to hold this place together and hear stories and teachings from our relations. Before we begin, I like to make a prayer and call in our benevolent guides. We humbly give thanks for your assistance and support today. May our listeners hear what they need to hear in service of their highest good. And so it is. Hey, welcome to the Rise Collective Podcast. This is Carrie, and today I'm really excited because I'm going to be sharing this episode. What I'm sharing about is the Rise Effect, which is the body of work that I've developed over the years and what I love to teach about. What I'm teaching about today is pillar number two of the Rise Collective, which is ancient wisdom. And this is a piece of the ancient wisdom that I really want women to get. So you may know that I created the life design planner. And when some people hear the words goal setting, they assume that the life design planner is rigid and fixed. And they might ask what is magical or feminine about this? Cause that's really how I talk about it. That's how I talk about this work. And that's how I talk about goal setting and life design. My answer is that this goal setting process is deeply feminine. The way that we do it is deeply feminine because it rests on the rhythms of the feminine. And those rhythms are the rhythms of grandmother moon, mother earth, and the cycles of human female physiology. Those are menstruation, pregnancy, perimenopause, and menopause. The way that our society functions from a work perspective is often designed for men. I don't know if you've ever watched the show Work in Moms on Netflix. If you haven't, it's very funny. And if you have, you can see a caricature in that show of how women are expected, what women are expected to do and how they're expected to be everything to all people, even when they have an infant to care for and a job and a family and chaos. At least I have a version of the chaos that is all of that. And so when I say caricature around this show, the show really captures something that may seem like an exaggerated version of it, but it's, it doesn't seem very exaggerated to me. And 
the show really illustrates the way that women act like can sometimes act like men to fit the mold, to fit in, to keep up, to get things done, to fit into that society that's functioning in its the way it's designed, which is for men. And this is when I get into the the different waves of feminism. Women's bodies are different than men's bodies, of, of course, from sex organs to hormones to how our brains are wired and much more. There's a whole book about it that I love to read. Um, I keep it as a reference because it it's just fascinating. It's called The New Feminine Brain. I recommend it. So in that book, the author talks about how very different the feminine brain is from a man's brain or a male brain. We simply have different gifts. We do things differently than men do. And I believe that healing our relationship with how we do and be is a key to shifting the feminine leadership paradigm. And this might not be true for you. I don't think it's true for all women that they they fit they are trying to fit themselves into a male mold to fit into the way society is constructed. But I invite you to consider this perspective if you don't think it's you. For me, this has been a very loud part of my experience as a woman. And I'll get into that a little bit. Um, I've, I've spoken to women who don't agree with me, and that's okay. This is my perspective. Um, and I think that last piece that I shared, that healing our relationship with how we do and be, is a key to shifting the feminine leadership paradigm. I think that's important because... I think that there's a way, I have a hunch that there's a way that collectively we may have some contentious relationship with how we as women do things and how we be because we have been left out for so long, because we have been disrespected for so long and that hurts. And I have a guess that that could be unconscious in a lot of women. Maybe. So this is a, can be a journey of making the unconscious conscious from an individual perspective and from a collective perspective. I'm going to also talk, to set some context here, I'm going to talk a little bit about this language of owning our feminine nature. And before I was started to record this, I was thinking about this language of ownership and how it might be problematic in some ways. And then I was thinking about other words that I could use, like embody our feminine nature or inhabit our feminine nature. So I want to explain what I mean by this. I think I've, I've been listening into a lot of 
conversations about um, colonizers and I think that 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 conversation is kind of what makes this language of ownership problematic and especially ownership of the feminine I think there's been a lot of commodification of the feminine body um, the female body and it continues we continue to com commodify women's bodies and men's bodies to an extent um, and the other words that I was considering like embody I just think that that the word embody is so overused and has kind of lost its meaning in a way but what I mean when I say embody your feminine nature is like be it bring it into your body and move the way that your feminine nature wants to move and live the way that your feminine nature wants to live and same thing with inhabit like living into it living there in our feminine nature and when i say own your feminine nature what i mean is something like like putting a stake in the ground i just got a vision of a woman standing on a mountain with a staff owning her feminine nature and yeah putting a stake in the ground really being that being our feminine nature and also there's a sense of being unabashed doing it unabashedly like not holding back revealing kind of showing it to the world that's what I mean and so moving on now that we have that context I want to talk about the waves of feminism and I kind of foreshadowed this earlier on when I was speaking about the male molds fitting ourselves into male molds in a world that was designed for men now when I consider modern feminism during the last wave of feminism women decided to burn their bras wear pants take contraceptives in service of freedom um, they worked alongside men in the office and in factories and became more like men in order to be equal to them and I'm so grateful for all of that work that those feminists did very courageous in contrast this wave of feminism for me is about making it okay to be feminine making it okay to be a woman instead of forcing ourselves into male molds and wearing the pants taking the contraceptives um, working alongside men in offices and factories and if women want to do that that's great what I'm saying is that we're not doing it because we want to be equal we're doing it 
because that's truly what our essence is called to do. I hope I'm being clear here. And my story is that I have personally disowned my feminine nature in the past. It's a daily practice for me to own my feminine nature. And how I've learned to heal it through gentle goal setting and working with the spirit and rhythms of nature. Maybe you can relate to some of this. First, I unconsciously disowned my feminine through conditioning. And we all are being conditioned all the time. There are many forces at work at work conditioning us all the time into being certain ways. And that's a whole other episode. And my version of the conditioning that I'm speaking about in relationship to disowning my feminine is being who they wanted me to be. They, in quotes. Now I see that disowning my femininity was not only unconscious, but it was also very subtle and sneaky. And when I was able to reclaim my nature, I felt myself. I knew myself. I came alive in an unfamiliar way that I hadn't felt in years or even decades. So in service of co-creating a new paradigm here, I'm going to share some of the subtle ways that I learned to own my feminine nature again. The first one is working smarter. Being a woman is part of being a woman is effortlessness. Women are capable of creating life in their bodies effortlessly with no thought at all. Thus, the nature of the divine feminine is effortlessness. And there's an episode with Sweet Medicine Nation about the Divine Feminine that I invite you to listen to. She was one of the first of my teachers to teach me so very much about the Divine Feminine. This effortlessness that comes with being a woman was lost on me during my upbringing, my upbringing and my early career. In school, I even remember being graded on effort. And to me, effort means how hard you try, how hard you work. Do you remember the, that phrase, A for effort? And I remember in school trying to get that A for effort, trying to, we were graded on effort, how hard we tried. And I think that there's another way to teach kids about that. I think it can actually be more an emphasis on, on um, enthusiasm. How enthusiastic can you be while you're trying to figure out this math problem or whatever it is? Like, it's, it's really about the attitude. But 
the transmission that I received was about working hard. So words really matter here. Words matter all the time, right? Taking a sip of water. So working smart for me means asking the question, what comes easily to me that creates impact? Like what's the smallest, easiest, most effortless thing I can do that's going to get me closer to what I'm creating? And this approach allows me to feel softer and more relaxed. I'm feeling into that right now. Softening my body and relaxing. That's a way that I can start to embody and inhabit that feminine nature is actually in my body and how you can do it too. The next one is own your feminine nature by following your monthly cycle. And if you don't have a monthly cycle for whatever reason, you can follow the same patterns and cycles by following the moon cycle because they, they mirror each other. And I teach about that um, in various workshops. So if you'd like to learn about it, then uh, keep an eye out for the next time I teach that. So one thing that sweet medicine taught me is that a woman's moon time is high ceremony. It's really a time to honor the miracles of life and death and waxing, waning, change, that potential for new life. And it doesn't have to be a baby, a new life of a baby, but that's what we are doing when we are setting intentions at the new moon or when we're quiet during our menstrual phase of our cycle. What is that potential that we're, lear- that we're nurturing in our lives? In ancient times, the blood of a, a menstruating woman was considered sacred in many cultures. They would use it on their crop fields. Um, they would invite menstruating women to share their dreams with the village. And this time is really sacred. It's the height of intuition and messages from the unseen world come through. And what's happening inside is we're shedding uterine lining that makes the uterus a cushy place for life to grow. And if life doesn't blossom there during that cycle we simply begin creating the lining again and it's completely effortless. Our body just does it. I want to be clear here by saying that what I am not saying is that every woman can or should give birth or be a mother. What I'm saying is look at the archetype of woman. Look at the archetype of if there could be an archetype of the physiology of woman or female, look at nature and Mother Earth as teacher. Mother Earth effortlessly creates life. When you look at any 
female animal, they effortlessly create life. I recently saw a video of a monkey giving birth, and she was doing so, so very effortlessly. This is what I'm talking about, looking at nature as our teacher when we're relating with the feminine. (laughs) I did not have a um, effortless nursing experience, and many women don't, but many women do have effortlessness there. We all have different bodies and different experiences, but this is kind of like um, a guide rail, if you will. When a woman denies herself to the time to rest, to rejuvenate and to receive those messages that come through during the menstrual cycle of her cycle, uh, I'm sorry, the menstrual phase of her cycle, it can show up in other areas of life. For example, I realized that overextending myself in my romantic relationship, past relationship, my friendships at work and just generally not honoring myself or believing that I mattered or my needs mattered. And all of this made me physically ill. I'm also an Enneagram 9 and the Enneagram 9 is has a lot of self-forgetting going on so that doesn't help me much. <laughs> I have to really pay attention to that. And I have this one memory, vivid memory, of I was getting ready to drive, I was living in Seattle at the time, and I was getting ready to drive seven hours to Central Oregon to go see Sweet Medicine. And I was about to start bleeding, or maybe I had started bleeding that morning, and I was packing my car. I had a lot of stuff to pack because I was camping there. And I had made myself a smoothie for the car ride. And I was rushing around, carrying all this heavy stuff, packing the car, you know, about to drive seven hours. I ended up spilling this smoothie all over my car, like in the driver's seat, everywhere. Disgusting. I had to clean it. Such a nightmare. (laughs) And Sweetie had been teaching me about this, this way of holding my monthly cycle. And I was like, oh, this is a message. I'm going way too fast. I am not honoring myself. And this is a lesson. And then I, on the car ride, The story's not over yet. (laughs) On the car ride down to Central Oregon, I ended up getting such horrid cramps that I had to pull off in a state park and sit in the parking lot. I was like pacing around and and I happened to find this couple who was coming off of a trail. This is such a weird story, I'm realizing. They were coming off of a trail. And I went up to them and I was like begging them for Advil. I 
just remember how bad these cramps were. I felt like I had a fever. I could barely move. And the man was so sweet and drove to a convenience store up the road of some sort and got me some Advil. And I took the Advil and I just, I couldn't eat anything because I felt so nauseous. And I took the Advil and finally the fever-ish um, sensation kind of started to subside. And I was able to eat a banana very slowly. But that's an, that was another message of you should not be doing this right now. You should not be, you need to ask for help. Ask for help. Packing your car, ask for help, ask for a friend to bring you a smoothie. <laughs> so that's a really good example of how I was disowning my feminine nature, just completely ignoring that I had, I was bleeding and completely ignoring that I needed to honor myself because it was inconvenient because I had these plans to drive down to central Oregon. And so, for me, this whole example, this whole story is a metaphor for the high ceremony of moon time. Quick interruption. This episode of the Res Collective podcast is brought to you by and sponsored by the Life Design Planner. The Life Design Planner is a planner that supports you in accessing your ancient wisdom and following your soul's purpose. I've been selling this planner for the past five years. I created it for myself and it's now become a co-creation with our community. Soulpreneurs, professionals, parents, wise ones, and anyone who has a long to-do list loves this life-changing planner. You can order your planner at therisecollective.org slash planner. Enjoy the rest of the episode. The next one I want to share is Owning your feminine nature by welcoming our emotional experience. I don't know if you're familiar with parts work. I'm only just starting to get into it. And we have many parts of ourselves. It's like an endless (laughs) journey meeting the parts of oneself in my experience. And when we express and give attention to some parts but not other parts of ourselves, it's akin to favoring our children. And different parts can have different mechanisms, different emotions. And for me, I find that that emotion is an integral part of, of parts work. It also happens to be an integral part of being human. And denying emotion is like denying our own humanity. Emotional repression is completely rampant in our society from my perspective. And I did a podcast episode with Ryu Koyama, uh, I think back in 2018. It's a really good interview and it's all about emotional repression. I'll put the link in the show notes. So emotional repression is rampant in our society. We often think that Maybe we're doing a service to others by protecting them from seeing us, protecting ourselves or different parts of ourselves from being seen. 
And in my experience, when I halt my feelings or my emotional expressions, which can be really big sometimes, I'm sending myself a subconscious message that my emotional experience doesn't matter. And I think what some of my parts take from that is that I, that they don't matter and that I don't matter. That's another 90 Enneagram nine thing, (laughs) not mattering. In contrast, here are some ways that we can validate our emotions and our emotional experience and in turn owning our feminine nature. And of course, I want to say, of course, men and all people have emotional experience and All people also have a feminine nature. I'm sure you've heard of the masculine and the feminine, the yin and the yang. We all have it. And how are we repressing one or the other? They need to be in balance. Just like they need to be in balance in the world, in our societies and cultures. So here are some ways that I validate my own emotions. Noticing what they are, revealing what they are, and expressing what they are. And I teach more about this in workshops and programs. The next one is owning your feminine nature by incorporating rest and play into your day. I think in this society, in my experience, there's such an emphasis on work, production, productivity, and a particular way and we don't allow ourselves these priorities they are priorities they do such wonders rest and play do such wonders for our brains and I also I keep coming up with these different references for podcast episodes I've done but in the podcast episode with Pixie Lighthorse which I'll link in the show notes She talks about productivity in a completely different light. How can we have productive conversations? Um, How can we... It's not about producing a thing. It's about being productive in our connections, in our relationships, etc. The way she talks about it is really beautiful and unique. So I'll link that one up. Back to rest and play. Rest and play actually are highly productive. And that's because they regenerate all of our mental, spiritual, physical, and emotional reserves. They're necessities. Contrary to what we may have learned or what we may have taken on from whatever we are conditioned to believe. So I like to ask myself, what is my body what, and what is my spirit longing for? How can we create an opportunity to meet those needs? And I also like to keep a running list of ways that I like to rest and ways that I like to play. Some of mine are for resting. I love taking naps with my little baby girl. 
It's the sweetest snuggle fest. Um, I enjoy taking baths. Um, I recently read this thing which made a lot of sense to me that people who watch the same TV show series over and over again do it. Uh, it does something in the brain of quelling anxiety because you know what's going to happen. And so one of my ways that I like to rest is by watching this show, Natch Nashville, which is kind of like a soap opera, but I didn't realize that it was a soap opera because I never watched soap operas before, but I just love that show and there's lots of um, live music in it and lots of drama too, but um, I know what's going to happen and it just relaxes me relaxes my mind. Um, I love to read, although that's not really resting to me. Um, lying on the ground, lying on the grass in the summertime is one of my favorite ways to rest. And play, how do you like to play? For me, the biggest form of play that I love is dance. Um, Sometimes it's fun to play a game like Bananagrams or Uno, although sometimes it's hard for me to like get in the groove of playing a game. <laughs> um, and I pretty much play all day long with my little girl, so lots of play there. So how do you like to play? Ask yourself that. Make a list because it's important. To, the reason it's important to make the list is that when we get the the moment when we get the chance to rest or play we have to be able to choose what we want to do <laughs> for I know for me when I get a free hour or a free two hours I kind of am like oh my gosh I have a free hour what am I going to do I just feel kind of flooded with choices of what I can do. And so having the list really helps me. It's like a menu. That's how I like to do it. The next way to own your feminine nature is by just simply seeing your value as a human, knowing intrinsically your worthiness, your enoughness as a human. And an example of that is oh, yawn. <laughs> there have been times when I equated the amount of money in my checking account to how good I am as a woman. When I would have a month with fewer sales or not enoughness, my mindset would follow in a downturn. And it really hurts to think these things about myself. Even it even brings a tear to my eye, because I would never, I would never have that type of self-talk that comes up in those moments. I would never say those kinds of things to a loved one that come up in my self-talk. So I have to be careful of that. And the way that I'm careful of that is remembering that I'm fundamentally valuable because I exist on this planet, that I'm a child of the divine. 
that my unique contributions to and expressions in the world will never exist again. And the exact same thing is true for you and for every person on this planet. We are fundamentally valuable because we exist. We are children of the divine. Our unique contributions to and expressions in the world will never exist again. And as such, I realize that it's blasphemy to say that I am not valuable. I'm not worthy. I'm not enough because I'm not making a certain amount of money. And yet it can be easy to fall into that mindset of how much money I make reflects my value as a as a human. This isn't really something that I've, I deal with lately. Um, and I'm sure it shows up in many other ways. I think that the influence of capitalism and just how we, um, like I was talking about productivity before productivity, productivity and doing like how much are you doing? How much are you actually contributing and putting yourself out there, quote unquote, things like that? I think those are very, they can be um, nefarious, kind of dangerous ways to talk about ourselves because we are valuable without all of that. So this is the end of our time together. I want you to think about how you can incorporate these feminine ways into your life, into your work, and into your goal setting. I wanted to tie it all back into this pillar, this rise effect pillar, pillar two, ancient wisdom. This is ancient wisdom. Owning our feminine nature is ancient wisdom, I believe, because... The feminine is something that women embodied for eons and millennia. And in many cultures, women were so valued, so honored, just because they were women. And this is really what I'm tracking. Can we be honored and respected just because we're women and not have to fit ourselves into different molds, not have to look a certain way? to attract a male gaze. Not have to try to stay young and try to look young, but actually be valued because we are aging women, because we are wise women. Noticing that I'm wanting to go on here 
there's more, there's more examples of how we can be valued. And I think that those examples are helpful because they show the contrast of kind of how, how it was based on, you know, archeological evidence and anthropological evidence. Anthropology is not that old, but many cultures that anthropologists explored were very old and continuous passed down traditions passed down ways. And so the point is back to this feminine paradigm, this new wave of feminism, this feminine leadership paradigm that I'm talking about. This new wave of feminism is about making it okay to be feminine. And I'm just going to go back and give you those last kind of tips, I guess you could call them, ways to, I don't want to call them tips, ways to own our feminine natures. Working smarter, stop doing the things that don't impact results. Tracking the monthly cycle by the moon and or by your menstrual cycle in order to create the most feminine magnetism and ease. Tracking your emotional experience, planning for incorporating rest and play into your day, even if it's only a few minutes, remembering your innate value as a human instead of calculating your worth based on X, Y, and Z, your friends, your bank account, your job, your looks, or any other measure. And I think that as we women embrace the ease and effortlessness that comes with the feminine, when we embrace the sacredness of our blood, our emotions, our needs, our longings, our inherent value. We give other women and other people the permission that they may feel like they want or need consciously or unconsciously. We give them permission to do the same. And this cultural and spiritual shift calls forth the courageous wise ones, those who are willing to co-create a new paradigm for women and for the world. And with that, I'll say goodbye and I am looking forward to spending time together next time. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Rise Collective podcast. If you got value out of this, I love it when people take a screenshot and share it on Instagram. Just make sure to tag me, Carrie Jordan. 
I hope that this podcast and this interview inspires you. That's the whole point. <laughs> I'm going to put any relevant, relevant links in the show notes on the risecollective.org. That's where you can also find past episodes, my blog, products for sale, including the life design planning and different offerings. Um, while you're there, you can also download the free guide to feminine goal setting and start to learn to work in harmony with folk magic and the rhythms of the earth. This is my absolute favorite thing to teach about and to talk about. <laughs> Hundreds of women have used this method, the rise effect, to weave magic into their lives. It's a simple guide and it's going to help you move forward towards your soul purpose. I often do Patreon bonuses for the episodes. So if you heard that there's a bonus in this episode, go to patreon.com and become a patron. It's You can become a patron for as little as $3 a month. And that's where I provide codes and giveaways and all kinds of bonus materials. If you love the show, please consider supporting its production at patreon.com slash rise collective. I offer lots of exclusive content and it will help me um, create this body of work. There are costs associated with this project. And if you believe that the voices of our elders need a platform to reach more people, please become a patron. It's really worth your while. <clears throat> Thank you. And please subscribe in whatever app you listen to podcasts. I so appreciate you leaving a review so that the show can reach more people. Thank you for listening. And I look forward to next time.